Corinthians 16, 5 through 24. 1 Corinthians 16, 5 through 24. Now I'll come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does, does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. I am glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunus, and Achaia. For what was lacking on your part they supplied. For they refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge such men. The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The salutation with my own hand, pause. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Preston, for that good reading. We will be focusing right here in 1 Corinthians 16. Hopefully we'll have a couple more younger fellows read for us as we move Along. I'm going to focus all the way down to verse uh, 15 and notice the household of Stephanus, the family of Stephanus. There's not a greater word in all the English language really than family. Family. Do you remember much about family? You remember back in the day of sitting around the, the table and eating at your table. Family. Family table, family table. I remember on Sundays, my mother, that was the day she took off every person for him or herself on Sunday. If you find a cracker, fine. If you find some cereal, fine. On Sunday night after church, my dad and I would get in there oftentimes and eat cornflakes, cornflakes. And for a long time, I had to eat mine out of just a regular bowl, but he ate his out of a tall glass. And he'd pour some cornflakes in there, and then he would smush them down and pour some milk. And then he'd pour some more and smush them down. I begged for years to let, to let me eat cornflakes like Dad. Finally, I got to. I got 
got it over just the other day. So there was a boy, he's sitting at the table and they're eating, and he comes up with this question as little boys do. He said, Is it okay to eat bugs? His dad quickly looked at him and said, no, we're not going to talk about things like that at the table. We're not going to do that. We'll talk about that later. So the boy got quiet. Later after supper, the dad went to the boy and said, now what is this about eating bugs? He said, oh, never mind. There was a bowl in your soup, but it doesn't matter now. <laughs> family, the family of Stephanus. We're going to zero in on Stephanus this evening. Stephanus. Notice in verse 15, first of all, Stephanus is pointed out to be a family of devotion. Family devotion, Stephanus. Stephanus and his household, they had family devotion. We're talking about religious, faithful devotion uh, to God. The whole, the whole family was like that. Paul pointed them out. He says, you know this household that they... Are devoted now. Now the the local uh, shop owner downtown uh, in Corinth might not have known Stephanus, but the brethren knew Stephanus. They knew the type of service. They knew the type of faith that he had. Stephanus, Stephanus. It reminds us of other great households in the Bible. I think about Abraham, Genesis 18:19. God said of Abraham, "I know him." that he will command his children after him and that they will keep the way of the Lord in all righteousness and justice. God had confidence in Abraham, just like he had confidence in Job. God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on all the earth. He also was a great leader of his house. I think of Zacharias and Elizabeth, Luke 1, 5, and 6. It simply says there, they were both righteous before the Lord, before the Lord, before the Lord. We, we walk all the time before the Lord. He knows, he knows us inside and out, before the Lord. They were both righteous. They both walked before the Lord in a righteous way. I think about... Philip the Evangelist, Acts 21, verses 8 and 9. Acts 21, verse 9. He and his wife raised four daughters who were virgins, but they prophesied, which meant they were involved in teaching the Word of God uh, all the time. It was, it was another family devoted, devoted to the cause, devoted to, to Christ. The home fires, and I'm talking about the the home fires for Christ must continuously be burning. The home. It's hard to think about a more important idea, a more important institution. The home. First thing God does when He brings man and woman to this earth, He creates the home. And I'll tell you something, if the home would be the home as God designed it, it would make spreading the gospel of Jesus a whole lot smoother. 
But it's not God's fault. God laid out the design a long time ago. The home. Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2. Except the Lord build the house. Are we listening? Except the Lord build the house, we labor in vain who build it. It's vain to rise up early in the morning. It's vain to stay up at night. It's vain to put all your energy into it. If the Lord is not building the house, there's a lot of those like that. A lot of people running around. They've got a, there's a husband, there's a wife, there's children, but it's not built on the Lord. And they are wasting their time. Jeremiah 10, 25, Jeremiah reminds really the whole world that God would pour out his wrath upon the nations that do not know him and upon the families that do not call upon him. So we're here, we're in 1 Corinthians 16, the household of Stephanus, and they are pointed out as a devoted family. But also we see with Stephanus, we see family, and I want to point this out here, family initiative, initiative, because Notice how they are described here in 1 Corinthians uh, 16 and verse uh, 15. Now I urge you, brothers, you know the household of Stephanus. They were the first converts. They would, I, like, I like the version Preston was reading out, out of better there. They were the first fruits. Right. First fruits because the gospel is the seed. And the gospel seed went into the heart of Stephanus, into the heart of his wife, the hearts of his servants and children there. Okay. They were the first converts of Achaia. Now if you look on your, on your map where it says Missionary Journeys of Paul, and look way to the left, find Corinth, you'll see the general area around Corinth is called Achaia. Okay. Just means basically that Stephanus is from Corinth. He's the first convert there. Think about that initiative uh, that he took. This speaks to the truth, doesn't it? This speaks toward the truth. Think about this initiative. Because the truth is powerful. The truth is true even if no one believes it. And that which is false is false even if everybody believes it. That's how powerful the truth is. The truth came to the household of Stephanus. And this speaks to the character of Stephanus also, this initiative that he has. Because he's not just a drifter. There's a passage uh, over in Hebrews 2, 1 through 3, which says, Take heed lest you drift. Okay. Stephanus was not a drifter. There's a lot of people who will not talk seriously about something unless they hear somebody else talking seriously about it. That's pretty much what drives them in life. Oh, I'm supposed to be talking seriously about that? Oh, I'm supposed to be talking seriously about that? Whatever they hear, is well, they go with that. That's not Stephanus. Okay. He and his household took the initiative. They were the first fruits of Achaia. How happy we are to, to report that. 
This is not a lot different from a man named here in this chapter, verse 12, or verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 16. You notice Apollos. We remember Apollos, don't we? From the book of Acts 18, we remember Apollos. He also was a man of initiative, right? He was. Acts 18, 24 to 28, Priscilla and Aquila took this man aside privately and did a study with him. That's, that's what needs to happen. When somebody goes astray, they need to study the Bible privately. Okay? And so, what was his, uh, what was his error? Well, he was out, he was mighty in the scriptures, Apollos was, but his knowledge was limited toward down, all the way down to the baptism of John. He just had not heard the complete ideal, complete ministry of Jesus Christ. And Priscilla and Aquila together took him aside and, and expounded unto him the word of God more perfectly. And then he's ready. He obeyed that and here we go. He took the initiative. Priscilla and Aquila took the initiative when they heard him speaking in the synagogue. They said, we've got to do something about this. He, need, he, he doesn't know, so take him aside. But then also Apollos was a man of initiative because he could see that something needed to change in his life and he took that step as well. Now mentioned here in 1 Corinthians 16 is is Paul's language of a door, of a door. Did you see that? Where is that at? Verse 9, chapter 16, verses 8 and 9, Paul talking about some of his travel plans. He says, I'll stay in Ephesus and to Pentecost for a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. So I, I love, you, you do too, you, you love this idea of door. The door of opportunity came knocking. The gospel opportunity came knocking at Stephanus' door and Apollos' door. And they had the initiative to respond. In Acts 14 and 27, when Paul and Silas and others, they came back from a missionary uh, journey, and they came to the church at Antioch and they reported all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. A door of faith, you see. That door of faith. Paul prays in Colossians 4, 2 through 4, he asked the brethren to pray that a door would be open uh, for the word of God. That ought to be a big part of our prayers all the time. Okay. We ought to pray to God that the doors of our heart will be open and that we would take the initiative to obey the gospel and obey the word every time we learn something about it and that we would take the initiative to spread the seed, the word of truth, so that others will have that same opportunity. And so we see this household of Stephanus, and they were a devoted family, but they were a family of initiative as well. We'll go on to read about them, how that they had devoted themselves, they had devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That idea also carries the initiative part as well. They had took the initiative 
They didn't have to be drugged into it. They didn't have to be talked into it. Okay? They took the initiative. That's what the gospel does for you. It comes into your heart and it drives you. You don't need somebody else to tell you. It drives you to go and, and do as God would want you to do. And then, let's think about this. And I'm going to invite some readers to come up here in just a second. But let's think about this. They had a house of love as well. Because you can see that they devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. The needs of the saints, physical, emotional, spiritual needs of the saints, they were there. They were there. I like the King James Version that says they had addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They were there. They were there. It wasn't just a matter of fellowship. It was a matter of, of helping people with real needs. We need to be encouraged along that line. Bryce, come up and, and read. Let's read. Let's all turn over to Galatians chapter uh, 6 and read about doing good. Bryce, you can just stand right here behind the table. Let's read Galatians 6 and, and listen carefully. Starting at chapter 7. Er. Galatians 6, verse 7. Be not deceived, and God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall to the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary. In well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if not, if faint not, if we faint not. As we, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good all, all, unto all men, especially unto them who are of household of faith. Good parallel ideal, good parallel passage to, to read because Paul's encouraging there the very things that the household of Stephanus is already doing. As you have therefore opportunity, let us do good to everyone and let us not be weary in well-doing. There's a little formula that, that was shared with me many years ago. I've passed it on, but it's a good one to, to recall. You know, uh, O plus A equals R. O plus A equals R. Opportunity plus ability equals responsibility. And probably the household of Stephanus never ever even talked that way, but it was in their hearts that way. Okay. Because they as they had the opportunity. Okay. They were driven by the gospel and they went and did good. They had addicted themselves uh, to the ministry of the saints. It is love that drives us to do this. Ephesians 5 verse 2, one of my favorite little verses. Ephesians 5 verse 2. Ephesians 5 verse 2 begins by saying, walk in love even as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And that becomes a, a, a sweet smelling odor and sacrifice to God. Oh, I love that verse. Love that verse. And so there are plenty of examples in the Bible where people 
did take the initiative and they did act of love and, and did go forward and do good. And there's some that missed that opportunity. Brother Josh, come up and, and read for us. He's going to read for us an example of someone who missed uh, the opportunity to, to really uh, show the love of God. So we'll be turning to Luke chapter 16. Luke uh, chapter 16. <clears throat> and the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. The law and prophets were, in, the law and prophets were until John, since that time and kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. Whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery, and whosoever marrieth her that is put away from her husband committeth adultery. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in, pur which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham, say, Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Whoa. Wonderful, wonderful reading from Luke 16. Gets us right into uh, the next world, but mainly what I wanted to point out there was that the rich man had a daily opportunity to help poor Lazarus, and he never took that opportunity. He had the opportunity, he had the ability, okay? he had the responsibility, but it didn't come together in his life, and he did not carry it out. He, he, he died, and he was in torments immediately. Okay. But not so with the household of Stephanus. They... As Paul says, they walked in love. They walked in love. There's an interesting thing here about Timothy in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 16. Paul says, now when Timothy comes to you, Paul's in Ephesus and he's writing to Corinthians. When he comes, you be sure to put him at ease. He's doing the work of the Lord. 
Let no one despise him. The word despise there means to treat rudely, cruelly, and harshly. Why is it that Paul is having to say this to the brethren? To the brethren. Well, the brethren still needed to grow in love. That's why there's a lot of emphasis on love in 1 Corinthians, like 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 3. Okay. Even if I give my body to be burned, even if I can speak with the voice of angels, he says, it profits me nothing. If I have not love, it profits me nothing. Okay. And notice the very, the very uh, firm warning at the end of this chapter. You see it? Chapter 16 at the very end. Did you catch that? Okay. Look how Paul chose to end the whole book. Verse 22. 1 Corinthians 16. If anyone has no love for the Lord... Let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Let him be anathema. The, the literal ideal there is, let him receive the divine judgment of the Lord. Let him be completely cut off from all that is sacred. You think that's important uh, to God? And then he goes on to say, if anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord is coming, he says. Our Lord comes, likely implying that when the Lord comes, He will deal with your love or your lack of it if you don't um, change your heart. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. So let it be. So let it be. Amen. So the house of Stephanus, a devoted house, a house of initiative, and a house of love. And then finally this evening, a house of courage. A house of courage. I say this because Stephanus was, was uh, willing to leave along with some other men. He left his household and he went to assist Paul. You see that in verse 17 and 18. He says, I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus because they have they have made up for your absence and they have refreshed my spirit as well as yours. They came. That's, that's, that's not a small detail. Remember where Paul's at. He's Ephesus. Ephesus. Okay. And look at what Paul says in verse 9. He says, a wide door for effective work is open to me, but there are many what? All right, all right. Adversaries. Adversaries. Okay, here we go. Adversaries. Verse 9. We know about those adversaries because we can flip back to Acts 19 and verse 20 and see Paul right there in the middle of Ephesus and the word of God is growing tremendously but there are many adversaries. You remember Demetrius? You remember the shrine that they're worshiping? You remember the uproar that was there? And here comes Stephanus right into that in order to help Paul, what a tremendous man. I don't think it's by accident. Notice verse 13 and 14 of 1 Corinthians 16. Paul says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like a brave man, be strong, let, it, let all that you do be done in love. And then he mentions Stephanus, as if to say, 
here are these courageous qualities, and now here's someone who actually carries those out. We've got to be people of courage. Courage. Need another reader. James, you ready? Come on up. I'll tell you what to read in a second. James, one of our best readers here. Okay. Let's, let's read about courage. Let's read Ephesians chapter 6. And let's read uh, verses 10 through uh, 18. Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 18. <clears throat> Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the, red, the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, <clears throat> praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints. That's the familiar passage about putting on the armor of God, but standing, notice all the emphasis there on standing for the Lord, standing up with the Lord, and then, and then getting ready uh, for the battles of life. We had a brother come many years ago, um, somewhere where we were at, but uh, the title of his lesson was, Suit Up for a Showdown. Suit up for a showdown. And that's what Paul's calling on us to do right here. Put your suit on. Put your armor on. There's going to be some showdowns. Stephanus was ready for these showdowns. He was one, going back to 1 Corinthians 16, he was one who was ready to stand for the faith, the faith, the singular faith, the faith. Ephesians 4 Beginning in verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. He stood up for the faith. Not everything, Stephanus knows this, we know this, not everything that flies under the banner of faith is the faith. We've got to sort that out and got to stand up what's right. He, it was a household of courage. Courage. That's as far as we're going to go tonight. We could keep talking about great families of the Lord. But what about this one? What about this one? The house of Stephanus. Stephanus. Just kind of squeezed in here at the end of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is, is full of of problems. About pro we mentioned this morning. They had problems with the Lord's Supper. They had problems with marriages. They had problems with division. But here, Paul is not losing hope. 
There's the house of Stephanus there and several others who are still keeping the faith. Still keeping the faith. The word watch shows up a lot in the Bible. Watch. Some translations say be sober-minded because, in other words, get your mind ready because you're going to be challenged. Watch. Watch. I heard someone make sort of a a deal out of the word watch. I'll just share it with you. If you spell the word watch going down, you can let W stand for words, worship, and your walk with God. Watch your words. Watch how you worship God. Watch how you walk. You can let the letter A stand for aims, attitudes, and actions. Watch all of that. Watch your attitudes. Watch your, watch, your, watch your goals in life. Watch your actions, your habits. A. T can stand for time, talent, and things. Watch all of those. Watch your time. Are you using your talents for the Lord in a humble way? What about things? Do you possess things or do they possess you? Watch. Watch. C can stand for companions, com companions, character, and children. Watch all of that. Watch your companions. Watch your children. And watch your character before your children. And H can stand for habits, hearts, and home. Home. Homes for God. Do you need to come back home to God this evening? Won't you please do so right now as we stand together and as we sing. <laughs>